0: Welcome to the Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red-letter basics, examining the Word of God, focusing on the example of the Book of Acts Church, discovering how the early church served the Lord. We dig deeper into Scripture. We look for the meat of the Word. If you're here to snack, this might not be the place for you. But if you're hungry for more and hungry for the Word and to know what the Lord is doing and has done, welcome. We're restoring the priesthood of the believer. We are regaining the world-shaking influence the early church had. We believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still still burns and falls and burns and falls and burns while it's falling. Ha. If you have any questions like why I'm so silly, is go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or write us at The Porch, one word, lowercase, The Porch, at com. You want to support what we do? We appreciate all of you that do. At the bottom of the page on com. there are ways to do so. Pray and give as the Lord leads. So welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming pra- platforms. Hasn't even started, and I'm tongue-tied. Remember, if you need prayer or you want to pray for others in the Porch community, and many of the members of the Porch community need your prayers right now, the Lord knows what they need, uh, just contact us and we will plug you into the process. A lot of stuff going on in the world, a lot of things shaking, um, things impending, the Lord showing me in prayer, Um, We need to stay awake. We need to be prepared and be ready for what he's doing, our part in it, and for his return. So, Father, we come to you now in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names. First of all, we say thank you, Abba, Papa, Daddy. Thank you. Thank you for making a way when there was no way for healing us, for forgiving us. We thank you for Yeshua, your only begotten Son, the only name in heaven and earth by which we can be saved. Thank you, Lord, for paying our price, paying our debt, wiping our slate clean so that we could be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. Lord, saying thank you and we love you probably isn't enough, but we give you everything we have, every part of our heart, every part of our mind, our soul, and our spirit. We thank you for sending back your Holy Spirit to walk with us and to guide us and to teach us, to show us through dreams and visions what's coming, to take us back to the Word, to help us understand your Word. And to not fall prey to the enemy. I pray right now for your children, your church, Lord, that you would protect them. Send your angels to guard them. Those that are in countries where they're being slaughtered for their faith, minister to them. Give us the boldness to do what must be done in this hour. To shine as bright as possibly we can. To drive back the darkness, set the captives free, live out Luke 4.18. That's my heart's cry, Lord, and I pray others would do the same. We just thank you. Protect our minds, our hearts, our spirits, the technology. Watch over us. Let your word go forth this night. Let it do what you desire it to do. I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. And if you agree with me, say amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Hi, by now you're ready. Your Bibles are open. Your apps are open. If you take notes, you're prepared. F- feel free to download, to share these We've been talking about behaving like a believer in the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Larry and I, we try to pray every day. We were praying today and talking about the basics, talking about how the church has wandered away and got caught up in so many different things that really what we need to do is meet at the cross and start from there and go to the empty tomb and then to the upper room. Being a believer in Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, means you know the basics, you live the basics, you do what he said to do. All the other stuff is fluff. It gets added in. It distracts us. But the key to everything is relationship, not religion, not rules and do's and don'ts. We behave because we want to. It's all about him. And the foundation of this love for him, from him, and the love we have for others. That's the key. We've been called to be rooted and grounded in love. Ephesians 3, starting with verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man or woman, that Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. But see, there's another root. A root that can smother us, a root that does just the opposite and it blocks love. It blocks his love, our love, love for and from others. It's a root of bitterness. That's what we're talking about tonight, a root of bitterness. It can overwhelm and destroy us. And I'm also going to be sharing from personal experience as we get into this Hebrews 12 starting with verse 14 says pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the lord looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of god lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled the nelson study bible says about this particular section of Scripture, believers pursuing peace and practical righteousness should watch for three dangers. Falling short of God's grace, that just primarily means refusing His gracious offer of salvation and His provisions. Two, allowing a root of bitterness to grow In the assembly, both corporately and individually, and then three, becoming sexually immoral or unbelieving. That word bitterness, it means a feeling of anger and resentment. See what happened? I hit that word anger. You just can't say it. It, 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 You have to feel that word. It's caused particularly by perceived unfairness and suffering or by adverse circumstances. The feeling of bitterness proceeds from it and exhibits a very strong animosity, resulting from or expressive of severe grief, anguish, or disappointment. Marked by resentment or cynicism, it becomes a deep-seated ill will. Hatred, loathing, vindictiveness, personal venom, those are bitterness, those are fruits of Bitterness. It starts with a seed, and it grows, and it takes root in a heart and a mind. And no one is immune to this feeling, especially when it comes to adverse personal circumstances. And if you want to look at somebody who understands that, look at Job chapter 10, verse 1. My soul loathes my life. I will give free course to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. He's talking to God, by the way. I will say to God, do not condemn me. Show me why you contend with me. Saying, why is this happening to me? Explain this to me. Does it seem good to you that you should oppress, that you should despise the work of your hands and smile on the counsel of the wicked? We know that by this point Job has lost everything but his wife he's beaten down he doesn't understand and it's easy to become bitter when there are circumstances that we don't understand we begin to question we begin to complain we begin to murmur well he had friends Job did And sometimes they said good things, sometimes they said bad things. But in Job 11, Zophar says this to him. Can you search out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, which is the place of the righteous dead. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If you're mired in bitterness, if you're stuck in a place where you want to ask God those questions, maybe you need to read Job. He goes through all the phases of it. But it reminds me, because I've been there, maybe not as bad as Job, where I begin to question. I call it becoming bratty. Sometimes I'll go too far, and when I'm finished, I'll hear him say, are you done now? Which Means you should be done now, which I am, but but i I have to go then in isaiah fifty five verses eight and nine for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways declares the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I have to remind myself at those moments. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything that's going on. All I know is my circumstances, perceived or real, and my feelings about those circumstances. But bitterness will corrupt a body, it will corrupt a church, whether the entire church or each person individually. And if it's not stopped, it's like a cancer, and it spreads. And the seeds of bitterness are planted in us long before we get saved. And like a hidden weed, they spring up. That word bitterness gets compared to the word wormwood, which is a strong, bitter-tasting plant that in the Bible symbolized bitterness and sorrow. And that scripture talks about it. We get defiled by this bitterness, especially if we let it fester. We get corrupted. We get contaminated. It becomes a stain on our spirit. That's why we're warned to not fall short of God's grace. No root of resentment should spring up and cause trouble. But I've been in enough fellowships and around enough people to know that it does right now, as I'm talking about this, some of you are getting stirred up inside, some hidden bitterness, some some root either you know about or don't know about has been touched, has been stirred, and I'm praying and believing that by the time we're done, we'll pull that root out. But when in doubt, when you get to that place that you have no answers, when you say, I don't understand, my new phrase is, the only thing I know is that I don't know. When you get to that place, when you've reached rock bottom, you have to go to the Word. You have to go to what you know about Him. You have to turn Your face towards him, out of the darkness to the light. Feelings are not a proper barometer measurement of the truth. Feelings are just that, they're feelings. They could be real, they can be perceived, but they're not truth. Ephesians 4, verses 26 to 32. When angry, do not sin, do not Ever let your wrath, your exasperation, your fury, or your indignation last until the sun goes down. Don't hold on to it. Let it go. Don't carry it into the next day. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him because I will promise you That if you do, he will take that opportunity. He will plant doubt. He will plant the questions. He will plant all the things that will take you further into the darkness. Jumping down to verse 29. Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others as is fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing, and give God's favor to those who hear it. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not offend or vex or sadden him by whom you were sealed, marked, branded as God's own, secured for the day of redemption of the final deliverance through Messiah from evil and the consequences of sin. Verse 31, if you're going to highlight anything, Verse 31 of Ephesians 4, let all bitterness and indignation—I'm in the Amplified, by the way—and wrath, and that wrath is poison, uh, it's passion, it's rage, it's, it's bad temper, and it is a poison. Resentment, which is anger and animosity. Quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention. Slander, which is evil speaking, abusive, or even blasphemous language. He says, "Let it be banished from you with all malice, malice, spite, and ill-will, and become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God and Messiah forgave you, oh my goodness ephesians four twenty six through thirty two it covers the gamut." Of the fertilizer and the feelings and all the things that bitter the root of bitterness comes from. That word anger to be made angry, provoked to anger, irritated, a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility if you've ever been in large groups, especially in fellowships and gatherings it will rear its head. We're not perfect. We're just redeemed. We're just forgiven. We're always in process. Romans 12, verse 19, Dear friends, Paul says, Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the Scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Anger becomes a springboard into resentments. And Hasatan and the fallen and their demonic offspring will pounce on the opportunity. So give no place to them. Colossians 3, verses 5-8, Put to death and deprive of power the evil longings of your earthly body, its sensual, self-centered instincts. If you notice a pattern here, And I'm noticing as I'm speaking, oh, all these things that Paul talks about somehow trigger the passions of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the sins of the flesh, immorality, impurity, sinful passion, evil desires, and greed, which is a kind of idolatry because it replaces your devotion to God. Because of these sinful things, the divine wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience, those who fail to listen and who routinely, obstinately disregard God's precepts. And in these sinful things, you also once walked when you were habitually living in them without the knowledge of Messiah. But now rid yourselves completely of all these things. And here he goes again, anger, rage, Malice, slander, abusive, filthy, vulgar language. See, the root of bitterness, I compare it to a weed, and it takes over an entire garden. And weeds can produce some attractive flowers, but they're not flowers that you want. Like anger. Anger, and the word angry I mentioned 278 times in the Bible but only 12 times in the New Testament. And anger is not bad in and of itself. We know that God gets angry. We know that there is righteous anger. It's the misuse of it and what it causes that God condemns. Because anger leads to unforgiveness, which then becomes bitterness over time. It takes root in our heart and our mind like a cancer which begins to manifest both naturally and spiritually. I have prayed for people with cancer. And probably nine times out of ten, there will be some long, deep-seated unforgiveness towards someone. And you ask them to give it up. You ask them to forgive so that that root will die. And sometimes they do, but more often they don't. And then they die from the cancer. If you've ever seen an image of cancer, what does it look like? It looks like a weed. It looks like a root. It takes over that part of the body. And then it becomes hatred and venom. And it stains us spiritually. That's where that bitter fruit comes from. We see different examples of it in the Bible. If you look at Luke 15, the story about the prodigal son, when we get to the part of his return, which is starting with verse 17, when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I will perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now the translation basically says, I'll live in the barn with the animals and the servants. I'm not asking for anything more than to come home. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to, him, said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his oldest son was still out in the field, and he came and drew near the house, and he heard the music and the dancing. So he called to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Verse 28. But he, the brother, was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, doesn't say my brother, as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. See, bitterness had set into the brother's heart. And the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. When we find fault in other people's actions We wind up like the brother, who in this parable represents the Pharisees. Like Job, we want to contend with God about the situation. We want to say the things that the brother said to his father. So what's the answer? What do we do? How do we kill this weed at the root and get free of it? Well, the remedy is to forgive. See, forgiveness is the freeing of a person from guilt and its consequences, including punishment. It's an act of favor, compassion, or love, with its aim to restore a broken personal relationship. See, God forgave our sins. God's forgiveness of our sins should lead us to pray for his forgiveness of others and be forgiving their dealings. But see, we don't want to forgive. When you're caught up in this mindset, you, you don't want to forgive. Come on now, let me get an amen, because I know some of you out there are feeling this. You may be here right now in this mindset. Watchman Nee says, Frequently the enemy entices Christians to harbor an unforgiving spirit. A very common symptom indeed among God's children such bitterness and fault finding and enmity inflict a severe blow upon spiritual life. We hold those deaths in our heart. And we hold them there for a long time. And then they begin to take root. And then they grow. And they take up more space. And those roots begin to smother and harden our heart. Now how do I know this? I'm speaking from experience. I know this feeling. It began at a very early age. Try to remember I think I was seven or eight. I've told parts of this story before. I'm going to give you a little more insight now, and then I'll explain why we're talking about this. My father, the one who helped conceive me and bring me into the world, that's the category he fits in with that title, walked out when I was, I think, in second grade. he walked out and never looked back. He um I want to be careful here because I don't know who's listening. I don't want to say too much. Let's just say he didn't take the marital vows very seriously. And I know it for a fact because he used me as an excuse to get out of the house once to go see his mistress. even as a young child i recognized what was going on and began to plant that seed the rejection and the pain of looking at somebody that's supposed to be your father who doesn't want to be with you doesn't want to be with your sister doesn't want to be with his wife your mother and decides he leaves It never looks back. Never a phone call, never a card, never anything. So that rejection, that pain becomes anger. And then over time, it becomes hatred. And I don't say that casually. I mean hatred. I may have shared this, I don't know, but in high school... It was starting to get to me. It was starting to manifest. There was outbursts of anger, things that made no sense. And the counselor picked up on it and asked me how I felt about my father. And I looked at him and I said, this is going to sound crude. But if he was outside on fire right now, I wouldn't even urinate on him to put him out. I'd watch them burn. Now that anger, that hatred is coming from pain, but it's coming from the seed, this bitterness that has settled into my heart. And that hardness in that area of my heart began to spread. It led me into dark places. It led me into the occult. led me into witchcraft. led me into doing things that would make me feel better about myself, make me feel stronger. But it's all tied to this destruction of my family, which then caused me to destroy my family. This seed, this weed has now spread and it's taking over everything. So that by time... October of 1988 rolls around, I am enveloped in darkness and coldness and bitterness and outbursts of wrath that even frighten my own friends. There was only one cure God's love. There was only one weed killer that could set me free, his blood. And salvation changed that. Being shown unconditional love by others broke through. And if you've ever tried to get weeds out of a garden, we have a weed that's from outer space is what I call it. It's taken over everything in Florida. If you kill it, it goes back, grows back twice as strong, almost as if it knows and it's punishing you. Then I needed deliverance. I needed to get it taken out of me. I needed to get my heart healed. And I went through all those things. I went to deliverance. If you've read the book, I go into great detail. I went to a men's retreat where I'm sitting reading a book. I'm ignoring what this man's saying. It's one of the first speeches of the weekend. But I'm I'm listening. You can't not listen And he begins to talk about unforgiveness. And he just says, look, I'm going to mention areas of unforgiveness. And when I get to yours, just stand up and we'll all pray at the end. So he says, unforgiveness about mother. I'm ignoring him. I'm reading my book. He says, unforgiveness about father. And I'm standing on my feet. Not by choice. I'm standing on my feet. And I'm thinking, no, I've dealt with all this. I got saved. I forgave everybody. And the more he talks, the more I feel that familiar feeling in my stomach. Something moving around in there. Something has been caught off guard and unhooked and getting ready to come out. And I start running for the door. And one of the guys goes to stop me. And I gave him a look that he just moved out of the way. And I went outside. And I'm doubled over in pain and weeping and crying. And this brother came over and laid his hands on my back and began to pray for me. And this cry, this scream came deep from inside of me where it had been hiding in the darkness and came out and took it all away. Or so I thought. I thought it was all gone. I thought I dealt with all that. Well, 33 years later, this past year, I, um, if you remember, had some health concerns. I knew nothing about the medical history of that side of my family. I knew everything about my mother's side of the family. And, every, you know, every doctor would ask me questions, and I couldn't answer those questions. And I thought, you know what, maybe it would be smart if you understood what they dealt with, what their health issues were, and what your father's issues were. And just so that you know, my last name is not his last name. Because he left and walked out, I took the name of the man that took on the responsibility of raising somebody else's children. So I reached out to his stepsons from his second marriage to ask them what they knew about him and his health, and they told me what I already knew. So now I've hit a dead brick wall, dead end, which means what? I have only one other place to go ask and seek this information that side of my family, his family. Now, in all the years from the time I was a child to now, I'd never seen, heard, didn't know anything about them, didn't know who was alive, who wasn't alive. That family did not exist for me. It had been compartmentalized in a box, in a closet, in a back room in which I'd thrown away the key. If you understand the imagery I'm giving you but I had no choice. So I figure I'll kind of back into it. I find a cousin. Hopefully I can speak to his father, who was my father's brother, who I did like, by the way, he was was a good man. But he's gone. And they don't really know much about my father. So now I have only one other place to go. And that's my father's sister, my aunt. Somebody who i be honest with you, at that point, did not want to talk to. But the Lord made me do it, made me reach out. And we talked, we spoke on the phone. And she told me how, how happy she was to speak to me. And it was a very proud moment because very coldly I asked her why. Didn't... I could hear myself say it. It stung me. And she said... Because my long lost nephew, I'm speaking to my long lost nephew. And at that moment, something happened. I had been holding resentment against the side of my family that had nothing to do with my parents breaking up, had nothing to do with his behavior, had nothing to do with the decisions that he had made. But the pain and the rejection I had for him, I transferred on to them. And that weed had been laying dormant inside of me for a very long time. We had a good conversation. We're connected now on Facebook, as I am with my cousin and his wife. And I asked the Lord, why? Why? Why now? And he said, because I have things for you to do, and you can do that with that hidden inside of you the enemy will take advantage of it. If you're holding on to bitterness of any sort, God can't use you. Not the way he wants to. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We are being progressively transformed into His image, one degree of glory to one more degree of glory at a time. And that glory comes from the Lord. That glory shines off of Him, and it makes us more like Him so that we can represent him, and we can do that if there's a root of bitterness inside of us. We've got to get to that place of recognition and release. The Lord says in Matthew 5, starting verse 43, "'You have heard that it was said, "'You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, "'but I say to you, love your enemies.'" Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Mark 11, 25-26. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Forgive them, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. It says it again in Matthew six verses fourteen and fifteen. If you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. and here's the struggle. The struggle is we want forgiveness. (laughs) We want it. But there are times we don't want to offer it. We want to punish those people, but the truth is we only punish ourselves. Let me let you in on a little secret. It's not really a secret, but I'm going to tell you anyway. You're not in control of what the other person does. You're only in control of your actions and your choices. The outcome of your obedience and doing what I'm saying isn't dependent upon you. It's dependent upon the Lord. So once you do it, once you let go, once you fulfill the Lord's Prayer and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, you're free. But can we honestly pray that part of the Lord's Prayer if there's bitter fruit, there's a root of bitter fruit in our garden, I've sat in small fellowships. I've sat in big fellowships. And the amount of bitterness and anger and infighting, it's so amazing how easy we make it for the enemy. And if you're struggling with this, if I'm touching a wound, if I have picked a sore that you've tried to keep hidden, get into the word, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Messiah died for us. See, this bitterness comes from looking at what others have done to you. Forgiveness comes from looking at what has been done for you by the Lord. If you fixate on the wound... If you fixate on the action, if you fixate and concentrate on what that person has done to you and the wrong that you feel and it wasn't right and blah 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 all that's going to do is make that weed grow. I know. Cuz both before I get saved, got saved and you know even after that one area of my life That deep, deep pain that a child has when a parent has walked out on them and never looked back. I get it. There are times two people can't get along. I don't believe that divorce is the answer, but people do get divorced. But why punish the children? And I'll tell you how a child thinks because I know because I did it to my son and he thought it too. They think that it was their fault. I did something wrong. That's why the parent left. And then eventually it flips in their mind. Why wasn't I enough for them to stay? I've been through all those emotions. I've been through all the what it does, how the enemy takes advantage of it, fixates on it. Every time I got angry, every time I displayed this demonic supernatural wrath... It was all based upon that rejection and that pain inside of me, being triggered again by some action or choice or a word. And I don't say that to be proud. I am not proud of what I was like, but I used to call letting the beast out of the cage, and that's what it was. It was demonic. Bitterness comes from looking at what has been done to you. Freedom and forgiveness comes from looking at what the Lord has done for you. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has any complaint against another, even as Messiah forgave you, so you also must do Those last two words of Colossians 3.13, must do. Bitterness has no place in the life of a believer. None. A hardened heart cannot have his love inside of it. There's no place to put it. So as I'm saying this to you right now, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Have I have I touched a nerve? I hope I did. Because he needs you. He needs you for a purpose. He needs you for a time such as this. Maybe your bitterness is towards him. Maybe the failure of a marriage, a relationship, or something, a, an illness, a sickness. Something is happening to you or happened to you, and now you're bitter like Job was. Forgive, let go, be like the Lord. I know it's not easy, and I am not judging you, and I'm I'm not sitting in condemnation. No, I, I, I understand. I didn't want to forgive. I wanted to hold on to it. It was my badge of honor. See what was done to me? This is why I am the way I am. If I'm free, that that's all gone. I can't, I can't use that lie anymore. Therefore, as you have received Messiah Yeshua, the Lord, Adonai, walk in union with him. And you do that through the Holy Spirit, reflecting his character in the things you do and you say. Living lives that lead others away from sin. Having been deeply rooted in him, now being continually built up in him and becoming increasingly more established in your faith, just as you were taught, overflowing in it with gratitude. It's Colossians 2, 6 through 7, amplified. And folks, we need that amplified. We need forgiveness Amplified. We need love amplified. We need deliverance amplified. We need the Lord amplified. We need the cross amplified. We need more of Him. Nothing's going to change until we do. Starting with us. Deeply rooted in Him. Built up in him, established in him, overflowing him. I read an article, I should have saved it because it would have fit into tonight, about the decline of religion, Christianity, the church in America, and I'm not against that because you know me. I'm not a fan of church. We're the church. The whole religious institution can go away for all I care. People are walking away. Part of the falling away. With too many people sitting in pews that are hurt, that are angry, that are bitter. They're in bondage. They prayed a prayer, but there was no change in their lives. But somebody told them all you have to do is say these magic words: plant these seven beans. They didn't say the seven beans part. I made that up. But I don't know. Then again in the church today, who knows? No, you must be born again. There must be a change. You must believe what you say. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. So people are walking away. There's no life. There's no miracles. There's no signs and wonders They just wonder where all the signs went. So what are we going to do? If you're here on the porch, I know the answer to that question. If you're here, it's because you want more. And I'm sorry that all I can do right now is digital through technology to give that to you. But the Word does not return void. It's going into your spirit. It's going into your mind and your heart so that you can manifest it and you can share it with others. Maybe get a home fellowship together. Listen to the Bible studies together. Share it. Open the Word. But we need to become the church, the called-out ones, We need to shake this world one last time before the return of the king. He's coming back one way or another. I want to be a part of the solution. I don't want to be a part of the problem. Psalm 51, starting verse 15, says this. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. David understood. And remember, David had a relationship with God, but he was not born again. You are born again. The spirit that raised him from the dead is inside of you. You have access to the throne room, direct access. You don't have to go through a man or a woman or some religious ritual. You can boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy. For the spirit of adoption has taken you back into his arms. But you can't do it with bitterness in your heart. No root of bitterness can be in you. So now I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray that if I have stirred up something and the Lord wants it out, it'll just happen calmly and nicely. But that you can feel his love. That you can feel his presence. That the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, begin to envelop you. Begin to stir you up from the inside out. Those areas of your heart that have been hardened. That hot oil. That balm of Gilead from the throne room is softening it. Father, first of all, I love you so much but I come to you now on behalf of your children in the name of Yeshua, your son. And I take each one of my brothers and sisters by the hand and I walk them into the throne room with you so that they can begin to know what that feels like. That they could find their way home. come into the hidden shadow of your wings. Lord, I pray right now for each one of your children, including myself. We're all in process. And even 30, almost 34 years later, still being transformed from glory to glory. So Lord, right now, envelop us in your glory from the throne room itself so that we can change, to become more like you, to radiate your glory in love and forgiveness and wholeness, to show the world the reality of Yeshua Mashiach, Jesus the Messiah, is love, it's forgiveness, it's the manifestation of why you came to set the captives free, My Holy Spirit, fill fill those that are willing, that want to be filled to overflowing, and push out from the bottom of that cup anything in there that's not of the Father. Gently, quietly push out that sludge. Push out the dirt. Push, push it out, Lord, like you did for me, Holy Spirit, and fill them to overflowing. Precious vessels of your glory. I curse that root of bitterness to wither and die. And any manifestation, physical or spiritual, go with it. So that we can live and walk and run and fly and do all the things free of that weight in our life. And I just pray all these things. Now, if you believe and if you have received, then just say it with me. Amen. If the Lord did something for you tonight and you want to share it, let us know. Testimonies help people. They encourage us. Go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact, or email us at theporch at com. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, each and every one of you, individually, face to face, and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Port on Firefall Talk Radio.